Hello and welcome to Brains and Bellies with Ama Mama. Today we'll be discussing foods to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. Ama Mama fuses together ancient Ayurvedic techniques with more modern functional nutritional therapy methods in order to heal the body and mind. Using food as medicine as our mantra, we examine the bodily systems at play while simultaneously getting to the root cause of your health issue using two different systems perspectives. Beth English Myers, a nutritional therapist, and Carrie Jenkins, an Ayurvedic health counselor, will help identify what patterns in your life may be making you feel unwell, be it diet, lifestyle, physical or spiritual. Join us here on Thursdays for Brains and Bellies. And please follow us on Instagram at amamamas, that's plural. Or check out our website for our other offerings, amamama.com. That's A-M-M-A hyphen M-A-M-A dot com. See you soon. So welcome everyone. We're Ama Mama. We're um, going to talk today about foods that are going to help ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. The same things that will help ease these symptoms can also be used when you're crossing from puberty into then menarche when you start bleeding as well. Some of these things can be very helpful. So good information to have. Yes. And also, um, it's so great that we've got uh, women not only from different parts of the world, but uh, different experiences and everyone's going to be coming at this uh, from a different place. And Carrie and I really want to emphasize how much we embrace that. Uh, so whether you're finding things, you know, not that bad, just want some tips, or if you've been um, struggling, or if you've already been through this, but you just want to get some general information, we, we're, we're really going to cover as much as we humanly can in a little bit of time. Um, if anything, we've got so much to say that we've got to really pace ourselves, which is why we just want to say at the beginning, everything we discuss, our key points will be on our website. So don't worry if you, if there's something you want to look into further. Uh, but also just remember, um, we really want to empower you with knowledge. Knowledge is power. We want to give you as much as we can and also meet you wherever you are. So if you, um, we want to take, we want to get that mentality of I'm going to wait until, uh, reduce that and just whatever you can do something today. We want to make it super easy and um, buildable and achievable. Excellent. Right on, Beth. Well, one of the things I want to start with with Ayurveda is that we have this saying in Ayurveda, which I know all of us have heard the saying, you are what you eat, right? But in Ayurveda, we say you are what you can digest. So you can be, have the healthiest diet in the world and only eat great food, but if you can't digest it, it really doesn't matter. Um, you could be eating Doritos. <laughs> in nutrition, we always say you are what you eat, but you are what you absorb as well. So it's what you're assimilating. Throughout um, this session, I'll just keep coming back to that, like getting those nutrients in. In Ayurveda, we have these three times in a woman's life that are really, we call them the joints. So oftentimes we talk about seasons. So we have these seasonal changes that happen on a yearly basis, right? Spring, summer, winter, fall. And it tends to be that during these junctures, like the joints of the seasons, 
this is when issues start. This is when sicknesses can easily happen, like much more easy than when you're fully in the season. And so we look at it not just seasonally in terms of the weather, but also seasonally in terms of our life. So our life as a woman, the first time that happens is when we first start menstruating. So at Menarche, right? And that's a time that you'll see lots of young women start to have problems, lots of different problems. I mean, it could be anything from dysmenorrhea to acne to anger. I mean, it comes out in, in many forms. And then the second part is, uh, the second phase would be pregnancy, which is a phase that not all women actually experience, right? Some women don't ever have ch children. And then the third would be menopause. So there are only two that every woman is gonna be experiencing. And so it's just good to keep that in mind that those are joints and that during that time, so I know that I've talked about the doshas with Ayurveda and um, we have the vata, pitta, kapha dosha. And I know some of you may not be familiar with that. So I will do a brief rundown and then look forward to in the future, Beth and I will be kind of breaking things down from our perspectives and getting more into the nitty gritty of what some of these terms mean, both with right nutritional therapy, Beth, and with- Yes, yeah. And also, uh, I love that you mentioned joints and like new chapters is when things tend to happen. I mean, as a nutritional therapist, uh, the visualization I always use with my clients is a tree. So as a nutritional therapist trained in functional medicine, which is very systems-based, I think of my client as a tree. And if they're having symptoms of uh, for menopause, if it's hot flashes or insomnia or uh, joint um, or tendon pain or bone pain, those are like the leaves. And I'm looking at that in the surface, but really thinking of what's going on in those roots. So what's going on below that soil. Uh, so I wanna know, you know, even if when that um, pa patient, if she's in her 50s, what was happening when she was a teenager? Uh, what was happening throughout her life? What is her environment? What is her soil? Uh, that's putting the getting the nutrients to the roots to uh, grow this beautiful tree. So I'm always thinking full picture, and I'm thinking systems, and I I look at symptoms as a as a as uh, the body trying to tell us something. So uh, for me, it's very important to get to the root cause and support these symptoms of menopause. Uh, certainly, a lot of female issues uh, with all of that in mind, and looking at the whole person. I love that, Beth. That's such a beautiful picture to look at it as a tree. In Ayurveda, we think of these, this joint, this specific joint, moving from childbearing years into menopause as a time where we're going from the pitta time of life to the vata time of life. So pitta, again, is heat. It's the doing part of life. You know, we're busy doing, working, building, creating for many years, from about the age of uh, 25 or so up until about 50 or so. And so what happens is that when we move from that kind of heated doing time of life into a, a drier, more related to wind and kind of just like drying out and aging a little vata, whatever symptoms or whatever imbalances you've been having for a few years as you move into menopause, that's what you're gonna experience the most during this phase. If you tend to be a person that for many years has had kind of a pitta imbalance and you've been very hot in general, maybe kind of angered and irritated a lot, had some pitta type of problems like ulcers or uh, heartburn a little bit, those things are all very pitta. So that's a signal to you to try to, if you haven't quite reached menopause yet, try to 
tap into that aspect of what's happening, the imbalance. And chances are, if you can get it under control, then as you move toward menopause, your symptoms will be much less. You won't experience so many hot flashes, um, night sweats, anger, rage, lo lots of those things that women um, complain about a lot. And then on the other hand, if your vata is very deranged, which unfortunately, even in our pitta time of life, many, many women, I think, um, suffer from vata derangement, you know, then you're going to feel some other really awful things like really dry, you know, vaginal dryness is something people complain about a lot, really dry skin, cracking skin, maybe even um, and a lot more anxiety, trouble sleeping. These are all very vata induced issues. And one other thing, and then I'll pass it to you, Beth, is that Vata in general loves hollow spaces. So something to think about is that as we move into menopause and as we're moving into that Vata time of life, Vata is going to be looking for places to hold court. And that's in places like bone, which is hollow. And as we age, it's going to become more hollow. It's in places like the uterus where there's no longer tissue building and, and replenishing and shedding every month. So that's just something to keep in mind. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. I, and it's wonderful hearing it in those terms, um, but also, you know, we're talking dryness, irritability, hot flashes, like, oh my gosh, those sound horrible. But I think we just have to, to just not be afraid of it and just embrace this is what's happening. And I think the more we connect with each other and share and normalize it, even just among ourselves, it, it makes it less scary. Yes, we may be losing some things and dealing with some others, but also the menopause can be that time when uh, we're going into a new chapter of our lives and the stage is being reset. Uh, and I think what Carrie and I feel so passionate about is really just empowering everyone uh, we know who's going through this, that yes, there are a lot of options out there and you can, you can definitely talk to your healthcare provider, your doctor about options, but we want to empower you to address things with nutrients, which I'm really excited to talk about as we go through the structure of, of this time, because um, we can make um, some wonderful adjustments with just getting some key nutrients in. Yeah, and let's just dive in a little bit to, we're only going to really talk about two hormones today, the estrogen and the progesterone. You know, estrogen, um, from an Ayurvedic perspective, is a very nourishing, building, juicy type of hormone. It helps nourish and build the lining of the uterus, right? So. If there's too little estrogen, that's often a sign that we're going to be kind of feeling dry and maybe hot and cracky because we don't have that like nice juicy quality. We're going to have problems sleeping, definitely. But on the other hand, sometimes people think, oh, I don't have any estrogen, but that it, it could possibly be that it's just the balance. Like it could possibly be that there's not enough proge progesterone to help balance out the estrogen. So it's going to feel like there's too much but there's actually not too much. It's just that you don't have that nice balance because that's really what progesterone's job is. It's not, it's not the opposite of estrogen, but it helps. It's like the friend to estrogen. So for instance, it helps keep that lining in the uterus. It, it helps stabilize things. It helps soften things. It's a little bit more powerful in some ways than estrogen, but if either of these are off a little bit, you're gonna feel the effects of possible estrogen dominance. I always like to add to that, um, the first thing I like to talk about nutrition 
being protein. So protein comes first. Protein, even in Greek, means of a first importance. For helping to reduce some of these symptoms of menopause, we want to make sure that we're getting um, good protein in. Um, we're going to talk in a few minutes about how uh, nutrition can help us detoxify hormones that we no longer need and the body help to get them out. But getting things uh, like good quality tofu, a plant-based protein in, so an organic, looking at the labels, an organic and non-GMO tofu is excellent. And then also um, having dark green leafy vegetables, um, having something like good old broccoli. Really, if you only remember one thing today, remember how great broccoli is. It, it literally is like a secret agent, Charlie's angel, that goes into our liver and will help clear out all the negative things about the hormones that Carrie was touching on. If we have estrogen that we need to clear, broccoli will go in and do that, okay? And if you have trouble digesting broccoli, uh, trying uh, broccoli sprouts, uh, which you can get in the shop or you can even make them yourself. Really great way to start getting that in and helping clear things out that we don't need. From an Ayurvedic perspective on broccoli, it's definitely a dosha balancing food, meaning that both are all three kapha, pitta, vata, um, it, it's useful for. The only cautionary thing I would say is if you're very vata, if it's very disturbed, you definitely don't want to eat raw broccoli. And I wouldn't suggest raw broccoli for any of anybody really, unless you have a digestion system that is like so strong, it can basically digest steel. <laughs> so definitely if you're more on the Vata side, you want to cook it. It's nice steamed with a little bit of oil is always a good way to go about it. And it has a specific chemical, which I'm sure you've heard of called DIM, which Beth can talk about more, but that is really what is helping us detoxify um, the liver. And as we'll talk about a little bit more, the liver is super important with menopause, super important because that's where the estrogen, as estrogen is being released into the body, it has to go through the liver to be processed along with many other things. I mean, the liver is basically, you know, working nonstop. Talk about a pitta organ. It's very related to pitta. So if the liver is taxed, basically the estrogen isn't gonna be processed properly. So then it, it sits in our system and, and then it recirculates. And that recirculated estrogen is not high quality estrogen. It's, it, it may, you may have a lot of it, but it's very low quality. But this beautiful broccoli and broccoli sprouts can help pull some of that excess estrogen out of the system and help the liver. Yes, uh, yeah, we can talk, we could talk, definitely talk about DIM or methane and indole-3-carbonyl, how it, how it really, how broccoli gets in and helps uh, another time in, in a larger way. But the takeaway really is getting some cruciferous vegetable in is really, really helpful. So nutritionally, I'm always thinking detoxification and absorption. So I'm thinking about uh, the liver and I'm thinking about the gut. Like I said, I always start with protein, so I wanna make sure we're getting, um, feeling satisfied and having a stable blood sugar and having a protein source like tofu um, with phytoestrogens, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, but really focusing on getting, looking at all these factors in relation to symptoms you may be having with menopause. Uh, detoxification is a really, really big one. And then also leading into the gut. And I guess we may as well move into tofu a little bit. You talked about the phytoestrogens. So I'll let you go into a little bit more on the details of that, but it also has a lot of calcium. And the interesting thing is a lot of the foods that are good for this time of life have a lot of calcium in them like broccoli, like tofu, like flax seeds. So that's something interesting to keep in mind. 
Um, in terms of Ayurveda, a tofu would be considered a cold food, a heavy food, got the sweet taste to it. It also has an astringent taste to it, so it's a little bit drying. So it's okay for all doshas, except if you're a very kapha person or if you're a person that tends to have kind of stagnation or fibroids in your uterus or in your breasts or thyroid issues. One thing I should say in Ayurveda, we say that, you know, these three places, thyroid, breast, and uterus are the places that energy stagnates in women. And chances are, if you've got some kind of stagnation happening in one of those areas, it's also happening in the other two. So just a, a word of caution, I should say with tofu, because it has such a cold nature, it's not great for kapha. It's very cold. It's very heavy. It's actually very difficult to digest. You don't want to eat it cold. I know there's lots of recipes for like tofu dips and all these kinds of things, which are, are great. It's an amazing food for pitta. If you have hot flashes, if you suffer pitta issues, tofu will definitely be your friend as long as you can digest and absorb. So you can add some things to it like ginger and make sure you cook it. And some other herbs and spices that we talked about in one of our other classes can be really helpful. But you just need to be slightly aware of it if you have some kapha issues. You wanna pull back a little and make sure that you're eating like a miso soup or some type of soup with like one or two pieces of tofu, not you know massive amounts, like a whole 16 ounce container in one sitting. Yes, yeah, and I think with, with tofu, it's really, really important to, like we said, like I said earlier, checking the labels. You really wanna get a good quality tofu. Soy is a crop uh, that is, is one of the top treated uh, crops with pesticides. So you really wanna to try to get one that's organic. This is a time to invest in organic when you're buying, if you're buying tofu. And also working to avoid one that's um, genetically modified. So non-GMO and organic best to treat yourself to a really good brand of tofu. I would also say to, to carry with the stagnation. Um, so I think of that in terms of uh, digestion and detoxification. So again, going back to supporting the liver and going back to supporting um, the gut. With, with tofu, yes, it's a great plant-based protein to get into our diet. I also like to, I really recommend miso as well. So mm -hmm. getting a uh, fermented uh, or culture into into your gut as well in the form of yogurt or kefir or um, kombucha or kimchi because uh, one thing that Carrie and I have discussed quite frequently is that I'm in England, Carrie's in America. Often in our um, current diet there it, it's it's less we, we people are having less fermented foods Whereas culturally, perhaps in Asia or in Eastern Europe, they would have sauerkraut or kimchi. These foods are so important to feeding our gut because if we have good bacteria in our gut, we will support all, kind, all of our uh, absorption and digestion. And we need these, these good bugs. They are good bugs in our gut. We need them there to help our bodies absorb the power of what we get from a tofu, the phytoestrogen effect. Uh, or something like flax seeds, which are so beneficial to us right now. So these, these are um, nutrients that are helping our body cope with excess toxins or hormones we need to clear. But we want to make sure the soil, as it were, in our gut um, has all the right workers there to, to pull in those nutrients. Absolutely. I love it. Back to the tree analogy, which is so yeah. cool. Yeah. And, and again, with tofu, you know, if you do have thyroid issues, you do have to be careful with it. It's definitely one of those foods on the list to be cautious of. But, you know, the other 
part of it is if you're a woman moving into this time of life, it can help with estrogen because it is a phytoestrogen. So it can be helpful, but you just have to, there's been so many studies done. In Ayurveda, it's definitely like a good and a bad food. And as I said, great, great for Pitta, amazing for Pitta, not so great for Kapha. Most of the studies that have been positive on tofu, I mean, there's this amazing um, protein aspect of it, but I know that Harvard and Dr. Willett um, has done some pretty extensive research on it. And the thing about tofu is that as long as it's in small doses, you know, most of the cultures that they're doing studies on that are having really positive outcomes with tofu are places like Japan, where if they have miso soup, they have two cubes of, of tofu in the soup. They don't have 18 cubes. Precisely. So we're not, you know, as opposed having a huge soy latte or, and then tofu, tofu, tofu. And also, uh, we can't forget to bring up, if you're doing a vegan or vegetarian or just integrating uh, more plant-based sources, to try to avoid the processed soy products. So the, the soy burgers, or it's about the, the how much you're having. Soy milk, um, even the well-intentioned burgers, like perhaps Beyond Burger or Impossible Burger, check the ingredients, not all the time. So as a part of the diet. Carrie was saying in Asia, there have been lots of studies. There was a Shanghai breast cancer study where they really saw that women, um, these women in Asia were having soy and, and it was much more beneficial to their health. But the soy was usually cultured, miso, and not the main um, Broadway star to their plate. It was on the side, usually with a fermented vegetable, maybe uh, pickled food, usually some fish and rice. So they're getting much more nutrients as opposed to what we unfortunately usually find in the West. Uh, should we jump into flax seeds, Beth? Yes, let's jump into flax. Yeah. So Ayurvedically, again, they're definitely great for pitta, or good for pitta, very good for vata, amazing for vata. And again, they have lots of nutrition in them, which we talked about last time, you know, zinc and calcium, and those things are going to be awesome for vata. Remember that hollow space that the vata likes. Pitta, are, it's okay for pitta. Kapha, again, because they're quite heavy, you know, you want to be a little bit cautious, um, not too many in smaller doses, but a great way to get that EPA, that essential fatty acid that we're all looking for, especially as we move toward menopause. Right, Beth? Absolutely, yes. So uh, omega-3 fatty acids, again, um, in, our, in our standard diet, it's, we, we, we miss out on them. They are uh, highly anti-inflammatory uh, fatty acids. Uh, which we get from flax seeds. We do also get them from, um, from fish. Fish are a great source. Smash fish, as we like to call them in the nutrition, which are salmon, mackerel, anchovy, herring. And, um, but going back to the chia seeds, they're a terrific source of your omega-3. They're full of fiber. They're full of nutrients. Uh, they are a delicate seed. Uh, they're linseeds. They can oxidize quite quickly. So it's great to I, I keep them in the freezer. I buy mine and um, I buy them as a whole seed. And then I put the seeds after I open the, the bag in the freezer. And then I'll take out a tablespoon or two and grind them into a smoothie. Uh, when you grind them, you can get, you absorb more of the nutrients within. Absolutely. It activates all those nice oils, those amazing yes. seeds. Yeah. Um, I'm just keeping an eye on time and realizing we need to kind of like move into these two major topics, which we're going to touch on, but coffee and alcohol, which are the love-hate 
things that everyone loves and everyone loves to hate, especially in the nutrition and Ayurvedic world. I don't know, alcohol is definitely very pitta. It's very, very pitta. So as I said again, we're moving from pitta into vata. And if your pitta is already high and you start adding a lot of alcohol, there's gonna be definitely hot flashes, definitely night sweats, definitely some anger. You may start to see rashes, people start to have eczema or all, all kinds of like inflamed red type of skin problems. And again, um, from the Ayurvedic perspective, you know, Pitta is very liver, and liver and blood are very connected. So the blood moves throughout the body, both the lymph and the blood. And if you start seeing, you know, rashes and everything, that's a cue. Uh, my pitta maybe is a little high here. What can I do? And a really easy thing to do, instead of thinking about supplements you can take or this thing that you can have, you can also think about what am I doing that I don't need anymore, which is oftentimes something like alcohol. Maybe I don't have to have that glass of red wine every single night um, as much as I love it and it tastes great and I want everyone to enjoy their life. It's just not a great thing if you're suffering some of these issues. So I um, put on our website a little cocktail that I like to make at night sometimes, which has, I've talked about the six tastes in our Ayurveda. There's sweet, sour, salty, pungent, astringent, and bitter. And it has almost all of those tastes in it. And it's a little um, cocktail. Uh, you can salt the rim if you want, or drop a little sea salt or Himalayan salt in the glass with water, a shot of pomegranate juice, and then half of a lime. Lime is a little bit more cooling than lemon. So it's better for pitta than lemon. And you squeeze it and you've got a beautiful cocktail with maybe a piece of basil, parsley, some kind of herb, tarragon. Um, and you're covering all six tastes then. And it's delicious. I, that sounds absolutely amazing. Uh, so good. I would like to add to this, everything that Car Carrie has said, really hydration. Hydration so important, getting lots of fresh filtered water in. As we age, sometimes we don't feel as thirsty and it's not that we don't need the hydration. Uh, there is something in our hypothalamus that starts to adjust and uh, we're actually just not as thirsty. So it's really important that we do take on board that we need to keep ourselves hydrated. When we're hydrated, especially we can start doing it earlier in the day, like ideally having some warm water, I mean, with some lemon or ginger to help get our, uh, our insides going and get our digestion fire um, ready for the day. Uh, as we hydrate, we're going to, we're gonna feel better. Um, hydration is liquid energy. And our brain needs to feel hydrated. And you know, with menopause, we might start having uh, for a little bit more forgetful uh, or some movement problems. We just really want to make, keep our bodies juicy and well hydrated. And remembering that sometimes if we're craving something sweet, um, it might be that we're thirsty. So really, really, really focusing on getting fresh water in, uh, perhaps a liter to two liters a day, just staying richly hydrated. Moving toward vata, which is very dry, it's all wind, it's all dryness, let's add the opposite to that, which is juiciness, and that's definitely lubrication and hydration. Yes, yeah. And um, we call that rasa in uh, Ayurveda, and rasa is not only just juiciness and juice and food and liquid, but it's also the lymph system of the body is called rasa. I guess we could say the same thing when we move toward coffee as well. Coffee is also a diuretic, so it's gonna dry you out more. It's, in Ayurveda, we consider coffee, the bean is a hot, oily bean. 
So if you're pre if you press a coffee bean, there will oil will come out, and then you get you know the dry quality. So it's drying, it's oily, and it's hot. So again, if you have pitta problems, a dry, oily, hot thing is not going to be your friend. And I know that people love that kind of pick up in the morning. I know I do. I love that. And I used to love coffee. And it's funny, the longer I go without having it very often, the less I like it um, flavor wise. But you could still have caffeine if you really want the caffeine. But a great alternative is tea. Tea is a cool leaf. Green tea is a cool green leaf. It's like, very cooling on the system. It still has some astringency and drying quality, but at least it doesn't have the hot oily aspect to it. Yeah, and it's really rich in polyphenols, uh, really high on antioxidants, really good for us nutritionally. Um, green tea can be, if you love having coffee, if you can perhaps reduce, but then get some green tea in um, instead. Also, as we get older, sometimes our sensitivity to caffeine can increase in ways we don't even realize. And caffeine can affect our blood sugar uh, we can have blood sugar dips after caffeine. Best to have coffee with a meal if you're having it. Having it. And again, go for the best quality. Uh, if I could just say, just I know we're conscious of our time, but again, I'm just thinking again about that metaphor of the tree. So getting the fresh water in, um, so the roots are nice and juicy and things are moving upward uh, in growth. Uh, my emphasis is always on uh, how we are absorbing and how we're detoxifying, what's coming in, what's going out. We want to keep those nutrients in. Um, we really want to support our gut flora. So uh, get that friendly bacteria in so that they can be the factory workers helping us assimilate. And then um, to support all of our symptoms or any symptoms we have um, with, with, with bones or with sleep or with mood or with um, hot flashes, just thinking uh, or pain even, just remembering um, these principles that Carrie's mentioned and for me, nutrition. For me, in closing, it's really important to also mention lifestyle, uh, that we take time to, to just relax. We exercise, but also relax, have deep breaths, um, and then connect. So important to connect with each other, uh, maybe budget um, our wine for the week and know we're going to have it with the girlfriend, even if it's not over Zoom. Um, so we have those sacred times, but then we're giving our body a chance to, uh, to, to relax and to rest and absorb. That's beautiful, Beth. The connection yes. is actually something which I'm sure you've all heard about by now, but tend and befriend, which is exactly our bodies, when we connect with other women or anyone, our bodies release certain hormones that help relax us and they actually counterbalance the cortisol in our system. So um, even a phone call, you don't even have to be face to face, we can be over Zoom. This right now is tending and befriending. So thank you all <laughs> for being here. And I guess I just want to kind of wrap up with saying everything that you said is so perfect, Beth, and, and in Ayurveda, we think of it very similarly, but to go slowly, like I know sometimes, especially if you're a very pitta person, you'll say, oh, I'm not going to have any coffee anymore and forget the red wine. No, 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 no. And then I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat the tofu. I'm going to do every single thing exactly the way it's supposed to do. But that's not going to be that helpful because what happens is that when your body is used to certain things and it doesn't matter what those things are, it doesn't matter if they're healthful things or not that helpful, it, it's always trying to find its balance. It's always trying to kind of find its stability. So if I'm drinking, you know, five glasses of whiskey every day, my body is going to be like, okay, well, what do I have to do in order to deal with these five glasses of whiskey? And if I suddenly take those five glasses away tomorrow, my body is going to freak out. 
Um, and that goes for everything, coffee, whatever it is, whether you're adding or taking it away, like be gentle and just go slow. Do one thing at a time. If you drink three cups of coffee a day, try to go down to two a day for a while. And once you feel stable with that, go down to one a day. And once you feel stable with that, maybe shift to three times a week or four times a week and just go really slowly. And there's no rush. It took a while to get you where you are and it will take a while to kind of dial it back a little bit. And I guess I just want to say that going slow is um, not necessarily rewarded in our culture either. It's a very male, fast, do, act, and it's not a very slow down, put your feet up, lay on the couch for a while kind of um, culture. So just keep that in mind. And that's actually going to be really useful for weight gain. I know it feels like, oh, weight gain around my stomach. I have to go exercise. I need to go run for 20 miles. But actually, you want your cortisol to lower a little bit. And that best way to do that is to kick your feet up and call a friend. Yeah, I think um, cortisol we'll definitely talk about at greater length. There's so much to say there. And Carrie, just I absolutely love what you just said. And again, just, you know, we'd say little things. It could be drinking a big glass of water in the morning could be what you do one day. And then having some miso soup when you ordinarily wouldn't have or getting in some um, go green always, getting some, some green uh, veg, some, some broccoli. Uh, so just little things every day. And the last thing, um, there's this great Ayurvedic proverb, diet is wrong, medicine is of no use. And when the diet is right, you don't need medicine. I love that because diet is something we can just do every single day. I mean, it's like what we're putting into our bodies every day. And we have, it's the one thing we have control over. Maybe not always. If you're, you know, at a friend's house or something, you're going to eat what they have offered. But um, you can make small incremental changes every day. And just for nutrition, my quote has to be Hippocrates, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. Absolutely. Love it. With some good lifestyle giggles and um, laughter with your friends. And that's the show for today. Just a reminder that none of the advice that we've given today on this Brains and Bellies podcast is meant to diagnose or treat any health problem. Please do seek the advice of your doctor for any specific health issue. And join us here next time for Brains and Bellies with Amamama. That's A-M-M-A hyphen M-A-M-A dot com. See you next time.